Welcome to episode 100 of The Real Photo Show. 100 episodes. I am so thankful and grateful to be able to do this show. Uh, I do want to thank the School of Visual Arts, MFA Photo Video and Related Media Program, which has been such a supportive sponsor of the show and has given this show a home to record in in New York City, which is not a small deal. Uh, of course, special thanks to Charles Traub and Liz Zito, Brenda Hung and Seth Lambert for all the support and all the help over the years with both the recordings and the live shows. Having a, a place to record in New York at the School of Visual Arts has really been the difference when it comes to booking guests who are coming from outside of New York, and it's really made the show so much better. So thank you all very much. And just to give you a sneak preview of the 101st episode, uh, Liz Zito will be the next guest and we'll be talking about her fan fiction version of the Mueller Report and the experience she's had reading that to an audience, which is a, a really fantastic conversation. But for the 100th episode of The Real Photo Show, I thought it would be appropriate and a lot of fun to bring back Kai McBride, my friend and former co-host of the show, who has made some big changes in his life. But before we get to that, just one announcement. The JKC Gallery is now showing Kissed and Toothless by Dominica Page. Uh, Dominica is an artist who teaches at Pratt and also teaches at Mercer. Uh, the show is up now, and the reception for that show is Wednesday, September 18th from 5 to 7 p.m., and to find out more about the show and the hours, go to mccc.edu forward slash jkcgallery. All right, so this is a kind of a extended half-frame catch-up episode with Kai McBride. And uh, as I alluded to before, Kai has now made the move from New York to New Mexico. And so, of course, we'll talk about that and how it's related to the passing of his father. And we'll talk about how life has changed uh, for Kai, uh, going from a full-time job managing the photography facilities at Columbia University and teaching at Columbia University to a very different and somewhat quieter place uh, in New Mexico, near Santa Fe. So thanks again, everyone, for helping me get to 100 episodes. Your feedback has really meant a lot to me, and uh, I really do appreciate it. So enjoy the show, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we will talk soon. love space up there yeah yeah this is the casita there's this ladder up there wow yeah lots of windows. windows yeah you know of course in the summer you close them during the day but oh sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's nice out there oh there's a bee yeah <laughs> <laughs> they love those purple flowers oh yeah all right well i thought it would be fun for the hundredth episode of the real photo show to do a catch-up with kai mcbride who uh has uh left us <laughs> <laughs> yes. in new york, new york exodus yes. yes and is now in new mexico yeah. yes outside santa fe to be specific yeah 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 and uh staying in this beautiful brightly lit space that i can see uh through skype i'll try to screen capture some of it for uh later oh yeah yeah i'm staying in a little casita behind uh 
Well, behind uh, Yolanda's house, who is the uh, wife of my father, who um, is the reason I came out here to begin with. So they, he built this casita about seven or eight years ago, I think. And that's how I wound up coming out here to visit them for the first time anyways. And now here it is, uh, 2019, and um, just six weeks ago, I moved in here for a little while. Yeah. So, well, you, yeah, it's you shared some of that experience with your father and his final year uh mm. on instagram right yes and absolutely. uh yeah and that's that that did lead to this kind of uh i don't know if uh discovery and love of this place that you're in now yeah i mean coming out here like i said i i, I forget the first year i came out but um i think it was 2011 might have been 12 i don't remember but I, I had never been to the high desert before, never been to uh, really this part of the country because I think I'd driven through Arizona and through that part, but I'd never come to Santa Fe and been up in the high mountains here. And my first visit out, I loved it. And then um, subsequent visits over the years, uh, at some point, uh, my father and Yolanda started talking to me about the idea because I think I'd already been expressing the idea of leaving New York at some point and they were very much encouraging me to come out here. Uh, they have some land out on the Glorieta Mesa, which is um, about, I don't know, 20 minute drive from where I am right now. And uh, they were saying, you know, come on out here. You could uh, build something out on the land there. And so I started seriously thinking about it more and more over the last probably three years. And then, yeah, <clears throat> I made a trip out last uh, March, a sort of emergency trip out last March to see him like weeks before he passed away. And uh, they both encouraged me, like reminded me that even with his passing that uh, the offer still stood. So I came out last July to really think about it more seriously and imagine what it would be to be here. And uh, it all felt great. I shipped my bicycle out here as a test kind of thing too, you know, <laughs> ride my ride my bike around. And the bike and, liked uh, it. <laughs> oh yeah, bike loved it. I loved it on the bike. I mean, it's 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 seven thousand feet here, so your lungs weren't so as happy <laughs> as the, everything else, you know, till your blood catches up from being in the high altitude. Yeah. So last July came out, and that was pretty much um, that cemented. I was like, yes, this is you know sort of a little bit of a carpe diem moment, you know, with my father uh, dying and thinking about. The, how short life is and all those sorts of things that you're supposed to remember all the time, but of course it was easy to forget. So then became a long process of uh, getting ready to come out here, which meant July till uh, pretty much a, a, exactly a calendar year of uh, saving up money, making plans, figuring things out. And of course, I also kind of wanted to teach for uh, one more year at Columbia, it was, you know, that, that was in transition. So um, that I sort of fi finished up uh, all of my teaching by the end of May and helped pass the baton on and, uh, and then uh, packed uh, everything up, which was a total nightmare. <laughs> I can talk more about that if you want. <laughs> and uh, drove everything out here in a 20-foot U-Haul truck, arriving there around the 20th of july yeah yeah so that was the one-year journey in, in summation that's right and we'll we'll break it apart a little bit but yeah yeah no questions no further questions <laughs> that's right well thanks for calling in <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but um you know just uh, just to move back a little bit uh, when you were 
before you were my co-host, uh, you when you were a guest on the show, you did talk a little bit about the the hippie life that you you kind of grew up with with your father and all and your mother. Um, yeah. If, I don't know if you want to just just sort of um, talk a little bit about you know uh, I think you if I remember correctly it was a, a little bit maybe a little bit more about your mom and moving around. What yeah. What was your experience yeah, with your dad definitely. like? Well, I they met. In Ka- on Kauai, the island of Kauai, which is where I was born. They met there in 1971, I think, 70 or 71, and were living together very much like in an A-frame with, I don't even know if they had running water. It was very much like kind of like off the land with a creek nearby, and they would go hiking up into Kalalau Valley for weeks at a time, which was, this is part of Kauai that you can't get to by road. It's completely, it's part of the Nepali coast, and you can't get there. So they were living this complete sort of like, you know, idyllic hippie lifestyle out there. And then right about when time I was born, uh, they split up because my father went off to um, uh, join this temple and he really fell into this, uh, found this spiritual calling and it like eclipsed everything else. And uh, yeah, the next six to seven years were just my mother and I just traveling around, living at various places, including some famous hippie communes in Oregon and uh, all over the all over the West Coast and out into Mississippi and just everywhere. So I didn't really reconnect with my father until I was seven, and then we lived with him in Texas, and then briefly back in Hawaii and Honolulu. Yeah, I, it was one of the, kind of those things where whenever we would get together, I felt incredibly connected to him because we had a lot of things in common as far as music, uh, literature, um, films, all of these sorts of things we had in common. So even if we didn't see each other that often, whenever we would get together, we could quickly uh, find common ground. And it really wasn't until you know, like modern era of our relationship was the last sort of seven or eight years when he had moved out here to Santa Fe. So when he kind of settled down, you got to know him better? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, maybe it was just both of us were mm. older or I don't know. Yeah, but there was a gap of that time there where we didn't see each other. A pretty long gap, actually. So it was kind of unexpected that we reconnected. And um, yeah, there's some... Uh, it's not irony. It's more like... Um, yeah, it's a little sad that now I'm out here. And uh, I, the first time summer I came out here, I helped him build a an outdoor shower and some other stuff out on this land uh, where I plan to build a house for myself in the coming year. And uh, yeah, it's kind of sad that he's not here because it would have been fun to like, uh, you know, collaborate or talk about it together or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in some ways I feel like I'm I'm finishing something he had started because he was starting stuff out there. And on the other hand, it's, yeah, it's a little bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I know that, um, you learned a lot more about his spiritual connections towards the end there, it seemed, and even the language of it. Is, am I over? I mean, I yeah. knew quite a bit from when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but then I wasn't around it for many years. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of echoes of it here. And uh, <clears throat> I'm also helping uh, Yolanda, who's his, I don't know what to call her. She's either Partner? my stepmother, <laughs> stepmother. She's... She's my stepmother, which sounds kind of weird, or she feels like family because I immediately connected with her. But yeah, she's um, yeah his widow, step my stepmother, something like that. But <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Yolanda, who's been incredibly generous and uh, you know giving me this place to stay and everything, I've been helping her put on this. It's the sixth annual 
Santa Fe Yoga and Kirtan Festival, which is something that she and my father started six years ago. And then she did last year kind of in tribute to him and then kind of got pushed along by people and got donations and is putting it on this year. So I've been helping her with that. So it also feels like, again, another kind of connection back to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're, I think uh, building on that land is, is a, a nice way to also honor the memory of your father and all. So sure. Yeah. And uh, I know um, with the, uh, with the move, you know, and leaving Columbia and all there, you had to make a lot of tough decisions and tough calls. And, you know, uh, I can honestly say from the other guests on the show, who did come through you and who knew you and who studied with you at Columbia, you were beloved, <laughs> mm. but you know, it's, it's Ivy league school and, uh, things change and uh, people come and yeah. go and yeah, you know, you, yeah. I, you know, you gotta, you gotta make the right choice for yourself. And you, it wasn't, I was there for a long time. I yeah. mean, I, I got there as a grad student in 2006 and pretty much, never left after that until this past July. So I really felt like I was there for 13 years, even though I was only, I was teaching there since 2008. And I had this full time job there since 2010, fall of 2010. So depending on how you slice it up, it was like 9, 10, 11 years of being heavily involved in teaching there and maybe 13 years involved in that program. And uh, when I, the day I walked out of the dark room, I kind of did like a little, it sounds very modern and cheesy, but I did like an Insta, Instagram story of like walking out of the, the dark room there. That was your cheers and turning out the lights. Exactly. It absolutely was. I, I literally did it. I literally turned out the lights just like in cheers. That's a TV show for the That's millennials. Right. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was strange to walk away. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I certainly, it, there were times where I, there was times where I imagined I wouldn't have been there that long. And there was times where I imagined I would have been there even longer. So um, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a hard decision, harder decision probably to leave that position than it was to leave New York City. I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think New York City in particular was, was the big um, draw for you so much. I mean, it's great to be there and all as a photographer, but you have your roots in in so many different places. Yeah. Although that apartment I had in Bushwick, 11 years, that's the longest I've lived anywhere in my entire life. Mm. And so I certainly felt connected to a lot of people, but, you know, like uh, White Cough Star Coffee Shop. I'll do a shout out to those guys. Uh Paul and Mike and uh, <laughs> everyone who worked there over the years, they were they were very close friends. I mean, I I loved walking in there and catching up with those guys. So I, I felt like a local. I felt like a New Yorker after almost 20 years there. But um, yeah, I was never calling. I certainly have thought about it a lot since coming out here because, you know, if you read, um, a lot of people have read Patti Smith's Just Kids. I don't know if you read it, no, Michael, no. but it's... Um, it's kind of uh, the romantic version of being an artist, young artist in New York that I believe a lot of us in the oh, before the 80s, but late 80s, 90s and stuff, we really had this idea in mind that that was where you went and became an artist and you would find some cheap loft and you and your buddies <laughs> would build something out and then, you know, it'd be... You could live very cheaply, have some part-time job and make art all the time. Well, in the early 90s, we kind of did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I missed some of it. I caught maybe the tail end of it in, when I first moved here in 2000. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, certainly 
now it like i don't think no <laughs> every everyone says it's changed and things have changed and it's of course it's so much more expensive and you know unless you've got a trust fund you're probably not living that lifestyle we also got so, mugged and held up at gunpoint and all kinds of other things yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the early 90s, yeah. late yeah. 80s. Yes. Michael, Michael has the great story of uh, getting hit in the knee as he's riding his bike up the Williamsburg Bridge. I always think of that story riding over that bridge. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but then there, so then I think a lot of people now are questioning, and even I see this with the grad students uh, like Rachel Stern and other people who would like, they tried moving to Philadelphia right afterwards. It's like, oh, you don't, quote unquote, have to be in New York to be, you know, part of the art world or the, you know, be a part of the scene or whatever. And um, I certainly think that is true, that it's, you don't have to be. On the other hand, when I think of all of the connections I've made and uh, all of the people I know and the, the events I've gone to and the opportunities I've had, not not like opportunities of showing in galleries or something, but just opportunities of like meeting Helen Levitt and going to her apartment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, meet, meeting all these photographers. I, I got to see Henry Wessel right, like literally right before, very soon before his death. And I just ran, I met up with him at Strand and hung out with him right afterwards. And those are the kind of things it's very hard to do when you're, you know, if you're not in one of these hubs like Los Angeles or uh, New York. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too quick to be dismissive of, the opportunities that being in New York brings. But on the other hand, you are definitely not going to be living that kind of bohemian art lifestyle while you're there. Right. So you have to also factor that in that maybe it's something you do for a period of time and then find some other solution. Yeah. Head out to Jersey. <laughs> exactly. Like Michael did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny. Uh, about 15 years ago till about, I don't know, eight, seven years ago, most of the adjuncts I invited to teach down at Mercer were from New York, and now more of them come from Philly. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it has changed. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, certainly coming out to Santa Fe is another type of art world. I mean, I went to an opening last night, and I, even though it was in an adobe kind of building, and there were, but there were still uh, cheese and crackers, and the still like a, a sort of arrangement of people you'd expect to run into uh, at an art opening. And enough people come here. There's a lot of, especially photography, a lot of photography stuff going on uh, in the Santa Fe area. So I don't feel like it's the same as moving out to. Uh, somewhere I didn't just move out to the middle of the country. In other words, right. like the middle of no nowhere. I, I moved somewhere that still had, you know, you can mention names of photographers and artists and stuff, and and people will know what you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Uh, so. I don't know if everyone knows, but Santa Fe is an enormous has is rich in photographers and photo history. Um, oh yeah. I mean, from photo eye books to. Well, there's the Santa Fe Museum here, but there's also to the Santa like, Fe Museum, yeah. Yeah, there's the San there's Site Santa Fe, which is very big. Site Santa Fe does a lot of stuff with the photography. There's the Santa Fe Photo Workshops. There's uh, I, I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff happening, and there's like the portfolio review that people come to every year. There's there's quite a bit, but there's also I you know I moved to Ash back to Asheville, North Carolina at one point, and the art scene there mm. tended to be a little. Uh, I don't know. There's a little more of a craft base, like, you know, people doing ceramics and glass blowing and things like that. Right. And so Santa Fe, I mean, people who I'm sure like 
collectors, whatever, if they come to Santa Fe, they're looking for a certain type of, uh, you know, Southwest U.S. art kind of scene. And there is the majority of that is here. And uh, there's some great stuff and some cheesy stuff and everything else. (laughs) But um, I think there's enough people here who are also thinking seriously about it or or, are interested in in that kind of engagement with the world. So I think it's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so uh, getting back to the move a little bit, you did have to pare down quite a bit, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I know uh, some I mean, people benefited yeah. from uh, some darkroom equipment, and uh, you sold oh, a guitar, yeah. too. I sold uh, I sold stuff, and then, of course, at the end, like, getting rid of bookshelves and things like that, I also just, and books, I gave away a lot of books, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, I gave away hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of books that I'd had for a while, and, you know, ones that I, weren't as dear to me, maybe. And um, Did you give back any people, books that you stole from under other people? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now, now if, if Inbal, if Inbal Abergeel is listening, I did not give away those Atje books. Yeah, no, I still have those. Yeah, that one Atje book she wanted. Yeah, and I gave equipment away. I gave like stuff that people have given me over the years. There was stuff I just had to pare down, and I, I did get rid of quite a bit of stuff. And you know, and of course, in this age of uh, Marie Kondo or Mary Kondo, I forget her name. <laughs> That's is, right. The things the, that give yeah. us pleasure, right? Right. Yeah, if it doesn't spark joy and all of that, right? I had already given away. I had already gotten rid of a lot of like things that I didn't use. But I'll tell you one thing that's hard about moving somewhere new and under new circumstances is I had a lot of things in my apartment that I imagine that I that I could have gotten rid of because I hadn't touched them in eight or nine years. So why keep it? But then you think, oh, wait a minute, in my new life in Santa Fe, I'll definitely need this. Right. You know? So then you wind up packing it. So it was getting down to a 20-foot U-Haul was a job and a half. Which yeah. you then drove cross-country. Yes. Yeah, it took me three days, <laughs> which wasn't so bad, actually. The driving part wasn't bad. It was really, you know, for some reason, we always wind up moving, because, probably because of school, where you, you get on this track of like moving for September to start the new semester and all that kind of stuff. I was always moving in August, which especially this particular August in New York was just brutal. It was so humid. The humidity was ridiculous, you know, so packing everything up and putting, hauling heavy boxes from one side of the apartment to the other, I, by the time I, it took me weeks to pack and get everything ready to go, and I was just completely wiped out by the time I was done. So the three days on the road were kind of like, felt fine and relaxing and when i got here i had about two weeks of after i unloaded the u-haul then i had about two weeks of just like recovery yeah yeah yep so i'd say i'd sympathize with the heat and all but i was in rome while you were packing uh, <laughs> which was yeah, hot yeah. but not as but also enjoyable <laughs> yeah i mean of course it's a cliche but the humidity really makes the difference yeah. i mean it's been it's been hot out here but i i even uh i was down in albuquerque the other day and it was supposed to be over 100 but i i walked from i walked like five blocks and i didn't even break a sweat because <laughs> no humidity yeah, well you know also so Slightly dangerous because you don't realize you're evaporating water like crazy. <laughs> yes, your body. that is true. Oh my god! Yeah, and I, last Sunday I went on a like a sixty mile bike ride, Oof. and I I knew I was going to lose a lot of water, so just for the curiosity, I like weighed myself before I left. <laughs> I drank a lot of water on the ride. I even stopped at a gas station and drank like a whole thing of orange juice, all this stuff. And I got back. It was like six hours later because I did this meandering ride. I got back and I was three pounds lighter. Wow. So. I, 
that's just three pounds of water. That's just, yeah, somewhere. that's just water weight. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So. <laughs> that's crazy. So now you're teaching. Your semester has started. Yeah. Where are you teaching? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny. It goes back to actually a real photo show podcast story. So when we had uh, Lucas Thorpe and Libby Pratt and Libby Pratt from Baxter Street Camera Club of New York, when they were on, that sort of started a you know kind of friendship with those guys. And I kept running into Libby at different events. And as I was packing, uh, Patrice Helmar was having one of her uh, Marble Hill Camera and Supper Club events. And Libby Pratt was presenting. And I went and I happened to casually mention that I was moving to Santa Fe. And she said, oh, my God, I, I have to introduce you to my friend uh, Meg Gould. She teaches out there at University of New Mexico. And I'm sure she can introduce you to some photographers out there. And so like two days later, she did the, the email introduction and uh, Meg said, nice to meet you, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know if you're interested in teaching, but we've got a class available for this fall. Wow. And so it just it just sort of, you know, total by luck, happenstance. It's like, out no, it's a, it's a great community building story. Why Patrice was d- does what she yep. does. Why, why I do what I do. I mean, that's a great story. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, so I got out here and it turned out that uh, their semester for some reason starts very early. So I had to go in for like a faculty orientation on the 15th of August and then the 20th was my first class. Wow. So I'm teaching intro to photo, which is they it's a I think it's their first class they have for people who haven't taken any other photography classes. And it's um, they run seven sections of it. And I have 17 students. So it's That's very great. popular. So yeah. it, it's digital. It is digital, yeah. although we do a couple of analog things just to like give them a taste. So I'm doing uh, a pinhole uh, exercise with them and then we're doing photograms, you know, and is it a. Various- uh, a, a class that's primarily for non-majors or is it a mixed? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it's for people who are just photo curious. You know? Yeah, yeah. I like those classes a lot. Uh, my digital photo ones are mixed with majors and non-majors. And I think it I think it makes for interesting conversations and uh, uh, people who have different, very different takes on what a, an interesting photograph is. Uh, so I like oh, those yeah. classes. No, I mean, so far so good. I've just been two weeks and uh, so I'm still getting to know the you know, the student body there and mm-hmm. what, what they are. But um, my classes at Columbia were like that too because uh, we didn't have a photo major at Columbia. So I mostly had, you know, I would have someone who was uh, uh, a philosophy major. I'd have somebody who was doing creative writing. I'd have somebody who was um, doing economics, you know, and they come in and they, especially like my digital documentary class was probably the closest equivalent to this class with no prereq. And yeah, they come up with great stuff, especially... You know, people who often say, oh, you know, I don't know anything. I'm not, you know, I don't have, I'm not talented, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then, then they like go off and, you know, do some amazing thing. That's right. So, they kill it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I go down, there's a, it in a world of uh, thinking you're away from um, public transportation and not on the subway and everything anymore. There's actually a commuter train that goes between Albuquerque and Santa Fe it's four dollars and fifty cents each way, and you get all the buses are free in Albuquerque when you have the ticket from the rail runner. So it's it's pretty painless. I can just get on the train and get down there and teach my class and come home. Hmm. And so, uh, photographing. What is what have you been up to? Yeah. Um, How's it changed? Well, <laughs> I mean, certainly <laughs> you're not walking around thing. from door to door <laughs> photographing yeah, doorbells and exactly. things. <laughs> no, no. 
Uh, I certainly have not started any new projects since I've been here, uh, partly because I've been just uh, settling in sure, and everything else. Sure. But yeah, and also I, I want, even though I've been coming out here for so many years, most of the photographs I've made out here in the past have been, you know, related to like family kind of stuff. And I'm trying to get a feel for what to photograph out here that won't be, um, you know, recreating the... Uh, you know, iconic Western landscape photograph that we've all seen a bunch of times. And however, I am allowing myself to do that on Instagram. So I, I arrived here, <laughs> I arrived here during the monsoon season. And the first couple of weeks, like every evening, these insane like, skies, like dark looming clouds and brilliant sun bril uh, going off the, you know, uh, Sangre de Cristo mountains and just you can't believe you, you keep looking like I can't believe this is real. It looks like it's been, you know, done by Hollywood and, and totally fake. Absolutely. And I've seen them. So, yeah. So I've allowed <laughs> myself to take those photos like ah, Instagram. That's and of good course, for Instagram. Yeah. It is. People go nuts. I yeah. mean, yeah, people love them, of course. Yeah. I mean, but it is. I think there is something about being a little bit awed by the natural world being back out here even even in New York, you know, I'd go for rides on my bicycle and go across into Jersey and, you know, go on these long rides. But, you know, it's not, last night I came home, there were, there's a bobcat family that's like <laughs> play, playing in the yard. I saw a roadrunner the other day. I've seen coyotes multiple times. Uh, any scorpions? No, I haven't seen any scorpions. <laughs> I've good. only seen one snake. Um, <laughs> and then there's just being more in tune with like, yeah, like the weather and, uh, you know, thinking about uh, closing the windows because it might rain suddenly out of nowhere because it's the monsoon season. And that that's definitely going to have an effect on what I'm going to photograph. And, you know, but at this point, it's still early stages. Uh, one idea is just to have to push through it and, you know, go out and make a, just pick something kind of silly even maybe to photograph and um, just go for it for a while and see what comes out of it. Yep. But um, one thing I'm, I am really grateful for is, the being able to be at UNM this semester, I have access to their darkroom and facilities, so I can. Oh uh, yeah. I can process film, make prints. I can scan. They've got a bunch of inkjet printers if I want to test stuff that way. So that's yeah, fantastic. That, yeah. That's made a big difference. As you know, every year I make a Christmas card print to send out, and mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, in June and July, I was like, "Holy shit! How the hell am I going to make a Christmas card print and send out, you know, this December without you know having my whole darkroom recreated and all of that?" Yeah. So yeah, no, getting you know, this I, job was was really nice. You know, a way of um, giving you like a little stability while you know while you're yeah. settling in, a focus point, a place to do your work. Yeah, and not just 100% live on savings and letting the savings dwindle down. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's also good. <laughs> Always important. But, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm only teaching there this semester. It was just, you know, I'm I'm back into the adjunct pool as it were, so sure. I'm not sure what not sure what I'm doing next semester or what I'll be doing long term. It's here's one funny thing I've noticed is I would say in New York City when you meet somebody new or you're at a party or whatever and you have casual conversations, people will ask you where you live mm -hmm. and like, how did you get your apartment and how much do you pay for that apartment? <laughs> it's like, it's on, it's the anxiety of every New Yorker. Like, the, the question, how, where do you live? The question is, how are you surviving? <laughs> yeah, but it's all, but it's really tied to like real estate what neighborhood, real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all that. Yeah. Oh, you have, wait, you have a one bedroom, That's two right. you live in a studio. All right. How far are you from the train? What train line are you on? <laughs> da, 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 right. Out here, Nobody asks about where you're living per se. That's how the first question is, 
what are you doing for work? Mm. Have you, did you, did you bring work with you? Did you, you know, like, cause a lot of people have hustles out here. They're, you know, they might have their main job and then they're also simultaneously doing like two or three other little things, including, uh, selling homemade jam at the farmer's market and, uh, you know, Airbnb of course is huge out here and things like that. So I've had that more than even going to a bike shop. Someone said, Oh, well, welcome here, blah, blah. Did you bring work with you? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so people really ask about that. And, and, and uh, also people were kind of shocked that I already had a job lined up. I mean, oh, yeah. like I said, yeah. adjunct position, but still like, whoa, how you came out here and you already found something to do. That's incredible. Mm. Well, how, so how isolated are you out there when you're at the casita? I mean, what, what's your neighborhood? Uh, I'm in this neighborhood called El Dorado, which was, um, I think, a planned kind of community. Some developer came up with it in the 50s. And uh, and so it's probably, it's a 15 to 20 minute drive. It takes me about an hour on my bicycle to ride to downtown Santa Fe. Other than, uh, you know, Yolanda, who lives in her house right next to the casita, and a couple of neighbors that she's friends with, I don't really interact that much with people here. But um, I found people in New Mexico are very open and friendly. Uh, I have been on bike rides and like just run into people or as I've been giving out flyers for this festival, you casually get in conversations. And the next thing you know, I've, I've met so many photographers and hmm. uh, cyclist, cyclists within like, I don't know, within a couple of weeks, just by having casual conversations on the street or, you know, running into people and seeing something that you can identify with and figure and then oh yeah oh well i they say like i met three people who work at los alamos uh you know at the nuclear lab up there research lab and that and all three were photographers and two of them were cyclists as well so (laughs) wow yeah yeah go go figure (laughs) so well, I'm uh, happy for you and also, you know, nervous for you. <laughs> no, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think you have to be too nervous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've got a place to live. Yes, and, you do. Uh, my expenses are low and uh, I'm very excited about, some, probably by this time next year, I expect to have another place to live built on the Mesa. But until then, I'm here. I'm sure I'll figure something, some hustle out. That <laughs> I'm, my the whole idea is to keep my expenses low, right? So that I don't have to make as much, and to have a more flexible kind of lifestyle, like this kind of freelance, not working full time kind of thing. That's what I really been hoping for. The that was one of the hardest things about those nine years at Columbia of Monday through Friday, you know, nine to mm-hmm. six or whatever it wound up being someday, you know, for many years I was going in at eight or eight thirty. Just that commuter like on the well, you know, yeah. whatever, which most people most people do. Yes, yes. Uh, but I've ha- I've had yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know you know. <laughs> but um but there were years of freelancing that I did where, you know, like computer freelancing and other stuff where I got so much more done of other things, you know, photography wise and, right. uh, you know, just making things and doing other things. So one way or the other, that's the goal is to, to do that. I, I would be very reticent to take on like take a big any- full-time job yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I would not, I wouldn't do anything that was five days a week mm-hmm. for, well, hopefully forever. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And of course that only makes sense to if you understand that there's a bigger goal in mind right with getting your own work done right 
look and I'm also feel I feel pretty lucky and and I mean it's like a double-edged sword but I've I've also got to this point in my life I I'm not in debt I don't have any debts to pay down uh you know I paid off my student loans all of these things and um, send your hate mail to Kai McBride (laughs) exactly (laughs) but I also and you and I have talked about this in the past too is I also I don't have any dependents I I mean I don't even have a dog right now so (laughs) I don't have kids that I need to worry about going to college and saving up so Mm -hmm. in some ways you know even though it's a different uh, kind of lifestyle it's also afforded me the, the ability to make maybe more selfish decisions about you know packing up and moving and doing things like that that would be harder for other people right? you know you and i have been able to choose certain paths and we've uh, benefited in some ways and suffered in other ways and uh, i'm only a little envious of your freedom yeah no i don't mean in terms of envy i just mean in terms of this is this is my reality and so i'm trying to uh, I'm trying to take advantage of this part of it. You know, it's like, all right, so you don't have that other thing, but you've got, so what can you do because of it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know you had you had uh, connected with a, a real uh, bike club at some point in New York. Um, yeah, the Rafa Cycling, the Rafa Cycling Club was huge for me. What's the future yeah. for the cycling out there? There's a lot of cycling out here, and there's I, I've seen a lot of... I, as I said, you know, you have, apparently it takes three months to get like back to a baseline and then maybe six months really till you're completely recovered or your body is like built up more blood cells and everything. So um, I was out riding last Sunday and I was feeling pretty good, you know, going along and uh, whatever. And then this guy came up, rode up to me and he was chatting me up. This is one of the guys from uh, Los Alamos. And uh, he's the one that's mentioned how long it'll take. And then all of a sudden, he, then he hears her in the back like, hey, and it's his buddies meeting up with them. And it was like eight of them. And uh, they just like took off like, you know, I was standing still. And, like, went, <laughs> you know, it's like, speaking of uh, the roadrunners, like the scene where like the roadrunner just like, you know, takes out, you know, me, 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 and gone. So... There's definitely strong riders out here, and yeah. you know, there's there's rides where you go up thousands. That's the way of feet I felt when to. we did the Staten Island ride together. <laughs> you would you would go up the <laughs> yeah, hill yeah. and come back to meet me again, halfway <laughs> down the hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and those were tiny hills too. Like, <laughs> nice, no, thanks. But, yeah, no, but they were they were. I know they were slowing everybody down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I felt it. So no, that's it's gonna be good. I've, I I will. I've said it the whole time when I was packing up. Is when people asked me if I was gonna miss New York, it was really about the people I was going to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, like the members of the Rafa Cycling Club, I had some really close friends there at the end. And uh, you know, you guys in the photo community, and I already mentioned my coffee shop. And, mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of people that. I was used to seeing on a weekly, monthly basis that I'm not going to see anymore. But then again, New York is also the kind of place where people like make plans to see each other and then don't see each other for a long time. Uh, I have friends yeah. that I would see like only two or three times a year, even though we live, you know, only a mile or two apart. Absolutely. And, uh, yep. And already since I've been here, I've gone to several potlucks and made dishes <laughs> and brought to things. And so I think maybe there might be more opportunities for that kind of like one-on-one community building mm. like I had with the cycling community that I hope to be able to reproduce out here. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. But yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yep. We'll see. So what uh, was I on episode two or one? I forget. Did you up? Did you? Aníbal was Anibal? episode one. 
That's right. You guys did one. So I was yeah. two and now 100. That's pretty good. Yeah. Nine, oh. How are you feeling about that? 100 episodes. That's insane. I feel great. I really do. I, um, you know, I have to say there have been there have been moments where, you know, I've been over two weeks uh, on the release of the last episode and I'm just stressing about getting the next one out and getting the next one. And I, I realize, you know, that's probably all just in my head. <laughs> The idea that right. that I'm gonna right. disappear if I don't get the next episode out mm-hmm. every two weeks, and I although I you know I try to I still want to do that and, and keep that regular, but uh, I I have loved doing this. I really have. I think it's I think it's um, helped me a lot uh, in mm-hmm. meeting people and getting to know people and seeing other things. Things I don't think on my own I would have just gone out and discovered. Right. right. Um, just, you know, all kinds of different work and different people and uh, and also just having this this nice community uh, being built up. Right. Where it's old mm-hmm. friends and new friends. Yeah. Look, and you've connected with people all over the world, too. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It was pretty astounding. And uh, it goes back to this idea of, you know, do you have to be in New York or not? I mean, clearly it helps for you to be there to like meet people at SVA and ha- people are coming through New York that you can like arrange to record with them while they're there and all of that. Mm-hmm. But it's not limited in the reach to just people who are there, which I think is more is important. No, New York, New York just happens to be a place where a lot of people pass through at some point. Yeah. So it's very convenient right. for that. Because a lot of the photographers I've spoken to don't live in New York. They just happen right. to be there for something, business mm-hmm. or work or looking for work or a show, you know. Uh, so, oh, yeah. so yeah, no, I, I do. But it, uh, I do feel very fortunate to, to be here in New York and to, to be able to record at SVA and all that. That, that does help quite a bit. Yeah, there's um, speaking of SVA, uh, one of the first people I met when I went to UNM Albuquerque is Noah McClorine. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I always just refer to him as Noah. And uh, he went to the SVA grad program. Oh. And uh, I mentioned Charlie Traub, of course he knows, and hmm. uh, Eleanor Carucci, and um, a couple other people. So I think he's been here five years or so, but he, he, knows the, he knows the SVA crowd pretty well. Oh, that's a nice connection. Yeah. Yeah, a small, small world, right? <laughs> it's tiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good luck. And, uh, of course, we'll keep in touch and everything. And, of course, if you ever need a place to crash back here in the East Coast. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. We have a nice pull-out couch, and the kids will jump all over you in the morning. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> the way, how's the garage? <laughs> uh, well, yes. I, no, Michael, you're, you're definitely a good resource and a good trooper and a good friend. Uh, one story that people probably don't know is um, I had a show at uh, Smith College. It was I had to go up like two days beforehand to install the show, <laughs> and I had arranged to get a rental car oh, yeah. uh, right over in New Jersey. I, I was like taking the – I thought I was being really clever to get a cheaper rental car as I took the ferry over to New Jersey and I get there right before they're closing. And it said online that they took debit cards and yeah, cause I didn't have a credit card at the time or something. Anyways, at the last minute, they're like, no, we're not, we won't rent you a car, you know, for whatever reason. And I knew Michael was already on the road going <laughs> to uh, visit friend, family and what, where are we going? Like Pennsylvania yeah. somewhere? You were, oh yeah. No, I was probably, uh, you were hours from home. You were not home. Maybe I was coming from Maryland. Before. Yeah. That's it, Maryland. I was coming yeah, from Maryland. Okay. Yeah, my wife's family. So, yes. And so I call Michael on the phone. I'm like, hey, I'm in New Jersey. I just found out I can't get this rental car, blah, 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 blah. 
and uh, you said, no problem. You can, my car is in the driveway. You can borrow it. Here's how to get it. You know, here's how to get to the house. Here's <laughs> the, right. al- here's the alarm code. That's here's right. where the key is. Like, and uh, the whole thing. And I, I, for, I got a cab from the place that, there on the edge of the Hudson river to your house, got the thing, got in the car. Next thing I know, uh, saved the day. I was up there and uh, got to Northampton and installed the show. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the offer of a place to crash, but uh, <laughs> you've also you've also come through in the past. So thank you. Oh, very much. Was, well, that was my pleasure. And yeah, I forgot that um, I wasn't even home when you borrowed the car. You weren't home. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> it's like oh, woo. but um, yeah. hopefully uh, I look forward to coming back as the guest on episode two hundred as well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been great catching up, and uh, we'll talk All soon. Right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.